Turning your Bibles, we're going to begin in John chapter 18 as we look briefly this morning at really sort of a special subject. We're going to begin next week our study of the book of Daniel. This week we're looking at something that we're calling the places of Christ. We want to think about some places that Jesus went to when he basically when he provided our salvation for us. And we're going to look at this and see how it ties together. Now we realize that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to the earth to die on the cross and pay for sin and then rise again to conquer death. And he gives eternal life to all who simply believe. It's that simple. He is our Savior. But we want to look at these places and we want to see how it ties together. So maybe we'll be excited about it as we look at this. It's sort of unusual uh, because they all tie together. In fact, they all tie together by how, by the, how they all start with the same letter. I mean, it's just sort of unusual. We'll look at it as we go through it. Well, do you like to travel? Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't really like to travel that much. I like to stay home and rest. But a lot of people like to travel and they go different places. I can remember going to something special. When I was in college, I went to Delta State, and I was on the football team at Delta State in those days. And we were a small school. And one year, we played the Quantico, Virginia Marines in football. And that was a little unusual because they had some people that had uh, been pro One guy, their quarterback, had been a pro football player and then come back to be in the Marines. So he could still play in college even after he played in the pros. So that was so we went there. So we flew to Virginia. It was a big deal for us getting on an airplane, and we got to go to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington Cemetery and and the Capitol and everything. And we got to see a lot of great places. And then for many of you, you've thought and you've talked to me about one day maybe we'd like to go to Israel and see like the Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem and Bethlehem and, and to go to those places. And by the grace of God, I got to go in 1976 and I saw, you know, when, when I read and, and it says they were on the Sea of Galilee, I, I can picture, I remember being on the Sea of Galilee or when it talks about Jesus coming that coming down the Mount of Olives and going into the city and singing Hosanna and the people singing Hosanna. I, I know that place. I walked down that same place. So it's pretty neat. Well, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some places connected with Jesus. And it's connected. These places are connected with our salvation. And we're going to see how it fits together. And as we look at these places, we're going to see basically his death and his resurrection and his ascension even tied in with all of this. Let me give you some background. Why did Jesus Christ come? Well, we know in the Gospel, Luke, he says he came to seek and save those who are lost. We are the lost ones. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way. We are the lost ones. We've all sinned and come short of God's glory. And Jesus Christ came for us to die on the cross to pay for our sins. In fact, Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says Jesus Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus Christ came to die for us, to pay for our sins, to conquer death, all of those things. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 talks about that at the exact right time Jesus Christ came. I want you to think about this. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, it says, When the fullness of time came, meaning at exactly the right time, God sent his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, that's Mary, born under the law. He was under the Mosaic law. Jesus was Jewish. What did he do? So that he might redeem those who were under law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus Christ came to redeem us, to save us, to, to do that. And when we think about it, he came to redeem us and to save us. Now, we talk about this all the time, and if you've ever had my tutu or if you've ever had those things, we always say, what's the story of the Bible? And the story of the Bible is very simple. The story of the Bible is that the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. The perfect almighty God brings sinful fallen man back to himself because we're the ones that moved away from God. God didn't move away from us. We moved away from God. So God brings sinful man back to himself how? Through his son, Jesus Christ, who came and died and paid for sin and rose again. This morning, we are going to focus on five places that Jesus 
went, or you might say has went and gone to, to provide salvation for us. So as we start, let's think about this. Let's think about his life and ministry. We know he came to the earth, and, and at about age 30, he began a ministry that lasted between three, three and a half years. He showed that he was the Messiah and the Savior. He showed his authority as he taught the Bible. He showed his authority as he had power over sin and death and sickness. He even forgave sins sometimes. We saw, or saw in the Bible, in his last night, he was with his men in what we call the upper room. The Gospel of John chapters 13 through 17 actually give what's called the upper room discourse where Jesus teaches his men. And he was with them and he, he washed their feet and he told them what he was about to do and all of these things. They didn't grasp it and put it all together. And then they left. They left the upper room. Now, while they were in the upper room, I want you to remember, while they're in the upper room, Jesus washes their feet and then when he gets there... Judas gets up and leaves right in the middle of the meal. Now, this would be the, what they call the Passover meal. And all Jewish people, they celebrated the Passover meal. Right in the middle of the Passover meal, Judas gets up and leaves. And we know where he's going. We already find out. He had already gotten 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. So he's leaving to go betray Jesus. And he knows what's going to happen. He knows they're going to leave the meal in a little bit, and they're going to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where they went a lot. And Judas knows that. So look what happened. I want you to see the first place that Jesus goes, okay? Here's the first place, and it is called the place of betrayal. It's Gethsemane. Look at John chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. He says, then when Jesus had spoken these words, this is the upper room discourse where he had talked to them. He even prayed to the heavenly Father. And then when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron. If you went out Jerusalem and you went out what was called the Eastern Gate, today it's called the Golden Gate. If you go out the Eastern Gate of the city, you go down, which is Mount Zion. You go down a hill and there's a valley. And the valley is called Kidron. And then you go up the other side and the other side is called the Mount of Olives because it was a mountain that had olive trees all over it. And so he's leaving. They left, they go over the Kidron, and they go up to where there's a garden in which he entered with his disciples. Now, the garden was called the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, you can see that not in this verse, but in Mark chapter 14, verse 32, it says, they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. Gethsemane means the place of the olive press. That's what it means. So on the Mount of Olives was a little garden, which we always say the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's where Jesus is with his guys. In fact, you remember what happened. He got there. And he told them, y'all, wait right here. I'm going to go pray. And he put Peter, James, and John. He said, come over with me. He got them. And he said, wait right here while I pray. Stay awake. He prayed three different times. They fell asleep three different times. Now, what's going to happen in this place? This is the place of betrayal. Look at verse 2. Now, Judas also, who was betraying him, knew the place for Jesus and often met there with his disciples. So they've come out to the Garden of Gethsemane, to this place, and I call this place the place of betrayal. Now, did Jesus know what was happening? Look at verse 4. Well, look, look at verse 3. Judas then having received the Roman cohort, that means a bunch of soldiers, and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, there were temple guards. There were actually Jewish people who guarded the temple. So he's got some of the temple guards, he's got some Roman soldiers, he's got some other religious leaders, and they're all coming out to get Jesus. Judas 
is going to betray Jesus. This is Gethsemane, the place of betrayal. So look what happened. Judas then having received the Roman court and the officers from the chief priest and the Pharisees, he came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. And so Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, he knew everything. This wasn't a surprise. He went forth and said, who do you look for? Who are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. That's what they said, Jesus the Nazarene. And he said, I am. I mentioned it a while ago that he's in italics. If you look carefully, I am is the name of God. When Jesus said, I am, he's saying that if you remember Moses was at the burning bush and the bush was burning and God told Moses to go back and lead the people out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, but who do I tell them sent me? And God said, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. And so when they asked uh, Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. He's calling himself God. Now watch that verse, verse 5. They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene, and he said to them, I am. And Judas also, who was betraying him. This is the place of betrayal, was standing with them. Now I love this next verse. So when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, most people don't even picture this, but do you understand in the garden, when they, when they, in Gethsemane, all these soldiers, all these people with torches and everything else, when Jesus says, I am, they step back and bow to the ground. I said, if I was in that group, I think I'd go home right then. I think I'd been it. Because God, he's showing his power. He says, I am. That's who I am. Now, this is the place of betrayal. It doesn't really say it here, but in one of the other Gospels, it says this is the place in the garden where, if you remember, Judas stepped out from that crowd, went up to Jesus, and kissed him. And Jesus said, so you betray me with a kiss? This is the place of betrayal. And let me tell you, Jesus was betrayed for us. He took our place. This is the place of betrayal. So when you think about this first place that Jesus went, it's the place of betrayal. We call it Gethsemane. He was turned over. He was betrayed for us. If you remember, they arrested him. And uh, they took him away. And in fact, a little bit later in verse, in verse 12, it says, So the Roman cohort and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they, they took him away. Now, where did they go? First of all, they went to the Jews, to the Jewish leaders, and they had three different trials, and they found him guilty all three times. Then the next morning, they took him to the Romans, and they had three trials, and he was found not guilty all three times. But I want you to see what happens. They take him to Pilate. Now, Pilate, when you read about Pilate, I feel really sorry for Pilate. Pilate tried to control the Jews. He was a Roman leader. He was the governor of of Judea, basically, and he was a Roman, and he tried to keep the Jewish people in line while working for the Roman government. And the Jewish people did not ever want to be in line. They did not want to be subjugated to anyone. And so you can see these Jewish leaders bring Jesus to Pilate, and he starts saying, "Uh, what have you done? And Jesus won't even answer him. And so he gets Jesus all by himself and says, look, tell me who you are. And Jesus won't talk to him. And so he says, listen, don't you understand? I got all the authority here. And Jesus says to him, the only authority you have is what's been given to you from above. And Pilate realizes this guy, he he hasn't done anything wrong. So he goes back out and says, I find no fault with him. And they begin to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so I want you to see the second place. And this is called the place of condemnation, and it's at Gabbatha. And you may say, Gabbatha? 
Look at chapter 19. Just turn a couple of pages over. Chapter 19. Look when Pilate comes out to make his decision. John chapter 19, verse 13. Therefore Pilate, when he heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement. But in Hebrew, it's called what? Gabbatha. Gabbatha. It's the place of the pavement. And so he brings him out to condemn him. That's what it's all about. This is the place of pavement, the place of condemnation. Jesus is condemned for us. Jesus was betrayed for us. He's condemned for us. He's the substitute. He takes our place. Jesus takes our place. You realize in John 3.18, see, he was condemned so we wouldn't be condemned. John 3.18, there is no condemnation. Those who believe will never be condemned. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus took our place. 1 Peter 3.18, the just for the unjust. So they have him there. This is the place of condemnation. I want you to see what happened. Look at verse 15. So they cried, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest said, we have no king but Caesar. So he handed them over, handed him over to them to be crucified. This is the place of condemnation. So I want you to think about something. The place of betrayal, Gethsemane. Jesus was betrayed for us. The place of condemnation, Gabbatha, the pavement, the place that he was condemned. Now, what did they do with him? They turned him over. They beat him. They whipped his back. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They made him carry his cross. And as he was trying to carry the cross, he fell down. And they got a guy by, a guy by the name of Rufus to help carry it. And they carried it all the way out. And they put him up and they crucified him. Look at verse 17 of John 19. They took Jesus, therefore, and went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, look at this, Golgotha, the place of crucifixion. This is where he dies for us. And by the way, the place of the skull, Golgotha means skull. It means, a, it means the, the, the skull. It's the place of crucifixion. Why was it called the skull? Well, there's two, there's two theories. One is this. You remember when David killed Goliath and he hit him right in the head and Goliath fell over and then David went up and got Goliath's big old sword and cut his head off? What did David do with that head? It says David took the head of Goliath and brought it back to Jerusalem. Legend is that he buried the head there and that's why that place is called the place of the skull, Golgotha. There's another legend that fits with it, and that is this, that it's sort of a hilly area where they crucified him, and if you stand at a certain place in Jerusalem and look to the side, it looks like a skull. I was there in 1976, and there's a bus that went back in 76, it was a bus station very close to where it was, and they all said to us, if you'll stand right here and look, it looks like a skull. And if you stood right there, you'd go, what? It does. It looks like there's two eyes and sort of a nose place. And so somebody said, it's called the place of the skull because it looked like a skull. Some people say it was called the place of the skull because that's where David uh, buried Goliath's head. We don't know. But this place is called the place of the skull. Now, we've sang songs. Many of you sang your songs over your life about the, the cross at Calvary, right? You know what Calvary means? It's Latin word for skull. The cross of Calvary is the cross of Golgotha, the cross of the place of the skull. Jesus died at a place called the skull. 
That's what it was called. Notice I'll read it again, verse 17. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. He was crucified for us. Now, we don't like to pass over this very quickly. You, you need to think about what happened. Jesus Christ died for us, crucified for us. Look at verse, verse 18. They, they crucified him and with him two other men on either side, Jesus in between. And Pilate also wrote the inscription and said, this is Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. And I want you to understand that uh, verse 20 says there were many of the Jews and they, they read the inscription of the place where Jesus was crucified. This is it. And it was written in Latin and Hebrew, uh, Latin, Hebrew, and Greek. And it said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Jesus died in our place. You understand, he's crucified in our place. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and we owe God death, but God demonstrates his love toward us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us he died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. That's who he is, and that's what he has done. He died for us. Now, I want you to see something that's amazing. In verse 28, it says this of John 19. After this, Jesus, knowing all things had already been accomplished. You know what had been accomplished? You know what had been accomplished? Jesus had already paid for the sins of the world. You remember he was on the cross? He got put on the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning. At 12 o'clock it turned dark, and it turned dark from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, Jesus Christ was separated from the Father. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, the Father, my God, the Spirit, why have you forsaken me? He has taken the sins of all mankind on himself, and he is separated from the Father, paying for our sins, crucified for us. And when he had completed that, notice what it says. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, you know what had been accomplished? He's already paid for the sins of the world. He said, to fulfill the scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. And they brought a jar of sour wine was standing there. So they put this sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop, brought it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, look what he said. It is finished. It's done. The work is done. Payment is paid. He was crucified for every one of us in this room to pay for our sins. Never forget this. And I want you to think about this. Never forget the place of betrayal in Gethsemane, the place of condemnation, Gabbatha, the place of crucifixion and death was Golgotha. But it's not over. We got some more places. Because you remember what happened? Jesus died. And one of the soldiers, they, they said, hey, listen, we would like to get these bodies, since they're Jews, some of these are Jews, we'd like to get their bodies off before it becomes a Sabbath day. Because that was the day is Passover, and the first day after Passover is always a Sabbath day, which meant it was, a, it was a rest day. And so they went and they broke the legs of the other two, and when they came to Jesus to break his legs, he's already dead. And so the soldier says, let me make sure, and he pulls out and he stabs him up through, and blood and water come out, and he said, yeah, he's dead. And so a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and another guy by the name of Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea actually came to Pilate and said, I would like the body. And Pilate said, he's already dead? He said, yeah, yeah, he's dead. He said, you can have the body. So, so Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came and they took the body of Jesus and they took him to the fourth place. And this fourth place is the place of resurrection. It's the garden tomb. 
And so they took the body, and Joseph of Arimathea had a, had a tomb there. And in those days, you remember the tomb, they don't put people down in the ground. They put them in the side of the hills. And so it was like a little hill and a, and a, and a, and a hole in there and a slab in there. And it was with how they buried people. And so they wrapped Jesus' body up, and they put him in there, and they rolled a stone kind of in front of it so that animals couldn't get in. That's the plan. So they buried him. And we call this, notice I didn't say the place of burial. I said the place of resurrection, the garden tomb. Because I want you to look at John, John 19, 41 and 42, when it says, now the place where he was crucified, there was this garden near, near there. And the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever laid. Therefore, because of the Jews, Jewish day of preparation, the next day would be a Sabbath. Since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now, if that's the end of the story... We're not even supposed to be here. There would be no reason for us to be here. If Jesus died on the cross and was buried and that's it, we got nothing. But Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. That's why this garden tomb is not the place of the burial. It's the place of resurrection. Chapter 20 of John. Now, on the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark, and they saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. She ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and they said, hey, they've taken away the Lord. She looked in there. The body's gone. They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him. Now, Mark gives us more information, and Mark says, entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right. Wearing a white robe. And they were amazed. This young man, by the way, is an angel. There's an angel in the tomb. And he said to them, do not be amazed. Do not be amazing. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. He has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. This is the place of resurrection. I want to read this to you. This is in John chapter 24. Listen to, I mean, excuse me, Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, early at dawn, they came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. These are the women. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, and they were perplexed about this. And then while they were being perplexed, two men suddenly stood near them. And the women were terrified, and they bowed their faces to the ground, and they said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. He has risen Remember how he told you when he was in Galilee, saying that he had to be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day, rise again? And they remembered his words. Jesus was betrayed for us. He was condemned for us. He was crucified for us. And he rose from the grave for us. He conquered death for us. That's Luke 24. This is the, this is the gospel message Paul says, I delivered to you a first importance which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scripture. The gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news message. And we see that Jesus died on the cross at Golgotha, and he rose from the grave at the garden tomb. That's why the Bible says, O death, where is your sting? Jesus, uh, Jean's dad passed away, and we... She got to be there, and then we were there for the funeral. And one of the greatest truths of all is death is not the end. We'll see him again. 
Because death is conquered because Jesus Christ has conquered death. He rose from the grave to give us victory over the grave. I want you to see something. We've seen the place of betrayal, Gethsemane. We've seen the place of condemnation, Gabbatha. We've seen the place of crucifixion and death, Golgotha. We've seen the place of resurrection, the garden tomb. You realize he was betrayed for us, condemned for us, crucified for us, and rose again for us. Aren't we glad he went those four places? So that we might have eternal life by faith. But there's one more place. There's one more place. It's the place of eternal life. It's the golden city. And you may say, what are we talking about? Let me just read this to you. This is in John chapter 14. While they were in the upper room, and they were all sad because he told them he was leaving. He said, I'm going to leave, and it's, it's good that I go away. And they went, it's good that you're going away. And he said, it's good that I go away. And then he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. See, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And when I get it prepared, I will come back and get you. And where I am, you will be also. This last place, the place is the place of eternal life. It's the golden city. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, where is that place? We call it New Jerusalem. It's the holy city. In fact, if you read Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2, John said, I, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city. This is it. This is that place. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now listen to this. You said, well, why are you calling it the golden city? Revelation 21 Verse 18, as John sees the city and describes it, he says, the material of the wall were jasper and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. And then later, he says, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls and one of the gates was a single pearl and the streets of the city were pure gold, like transparent glass. This is the golden city that he has prepared for us. He's prepared a place. And so realize that sin is paid for. Death is conquered. By faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life and we will live forever with Jesus in the new Jerusalem, the golden city. We've seen five places. The place of betrayal, where Judas betrayed Jesus, betrayed him for us in Gethsemane. We've seen the place of condemnation, where Pilate condemned him at Gabbatha. He was condemned for us. We've seen the place of crucifixion and death at Golgotha, the place of the skull where Jesus died for all of us, paying for our sins. We've seen the place of resurrection, the garden tomb, where Jesus rose from the grave, conquering death. And we've seen the place of eternal life, which is the golden city, the new Jerusalem, in which we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ, those who know him and have trusted in him. He was betrayed, condemned, crucified, rose, and prepared a place for us. So let's look at some applications. Let's worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes, maybe, maybe you go home, maybe this week in your quiet time, you sit down and you think of these five places. You think of how he was betrayed and how he was condemned and how he was crucified and how he rose and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father preparing a place for us. And you worship him.
as the one who did all this for, for each of us. He died and rose again. He made the payment. He's conquered death. He's provided a place for us. So maybe use this week uh, in your quiet time. Take maybe a five days. Take one of, each one of these and think through that. The second thing, let's look forward to the place Jesus has prepared for us. And you know, the only way to get there is to come to God by faith. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And whoever believes in him will never perish, but have eternal life. And eternal life is going to be with Jesus Christ in the golden city forever. My favorite verse, when you think about the truth of salvation, is that God so loved the world. That's us. He loved us. That he gave his son, Jesus, he gave him to come to the earth and die, to be betrayed, condemned, crucified, and rise again. So that whoever would believe in him would never perish, but have eternal life with him in the golden city forever and ever and ever. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you have trusted in him who was betrayed, condemned, crucified and rose and is place for you. Second is, let's tell others how they can have eternal life. As we go out these doors, let's take the opportunities when they come to talk to them about what Jesus has done, how he died and rose again for us, and how anyone can have eternal life as a gift simply by faith.